Good morning, everyone. How's it going? It is Tuesday morning, just a few more days, and this year will be over. Uh, I know a lot of people have looked at this year and says, man, I can't wait for 2020 to be over, but uh, I've kind of been of the opinion that this is this year has been a good good thing for many people for many different reasons. I hope we don't waste the lessons that 2020 had to bring us. Anyways, let's jump into this book here, The Pilgrim's Progress. For those of you who haven't seen maybe the other videos, I'm going through the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, and it's an unabridged version uh, that has all of the uh, all of the scripture references and author's notes as well. And so just taking time to go through those, uh, there is 10 chapters total. I am actually, I said yesterday that I'm in the middle of chapter two. I'm actually nearing the end of chapter three. So, um, and then just go, but we're, as you can tell, we're 19 episodes in and uh, we, uh, we're just taking our time going through this. I know for me, the lessons have been, been very um, helpful in helping me understand how the gospel works in a person's life and how the gospel works through scripture. I haven't been able to really understand uh, some of the, or maybe not necessarily understand, but haven't put the pieces together, if you will. And the Pilgrim's Progress is such a great um, allegory, illustration that brings in all these truths in a way that's very memorable. But anyways, yesterday we left off with a very important warning uh, from the author, and it comes from the interaction between Christian and the man without hope, uh, the man who had no repentance. You know, it's 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 hard to understand that. I was thinking about that on the way here this morning, and you know, granted, uh, I'm sorry, repentance is granted. It's not something you just do. I mean, you can't try to repent on your own, but the repentance that brings salvation is given. And if it's rejected over and over again, then at some point it's not given anymore. And it's it's a heavy a lesson to learn. It's, it's a hard one. But uh, anyways, let's jump into this and we will start here and uh, where it, the interpreter picks up on the conversation as he's walking uh, Christian through the house, showing him all these different um, lessons. He says, Tarry till I shall show thee one thing more, and thou shalt go on thy way. So he took Christian by the hand and led him into a chamber where there was one rising out of bed. And as he put on his raiment, he shook and trembled. Then said Christian, Why doth this man does tremble. The interpreter then bid him tell to Christian the reason of him so doing, of his so doing. So he began and said, This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed, and beheld the heavens grew exceedingly black. Also it thundered and lightning in my most fearful wise, that it put me into an agony. So I looked up in my dream and saw the clouds rack at an unusual rate, upon which I heard a great sound of a trumpet. And saw also a man sitting upon a cloud attended with the thousands of heaven. We have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, 
references to scripture here uh, before I keep moving too far along in this um, explanation that this man, he was getting out of bed, he's trembling, he's scared, and he's telling what he saw. And he sees these these clouds, and then the author puts in these five references, six references to Scripture that I think we should stop and look at before we move on too much further, because this, the story that this man gives in, ex, in explaining his dream is a little lengthy. So the first reference is in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32. 1 Corinthians. I'm not going to to, uh, lie here. Sometimes he gives a verse and I don't completely understand the, the reference or how it immediately applies. I found, though, as I just cont- I'll just go through each of these references and then I'll maybe understand better. I'm saying that because I'm about to read First Corinthians 15, chapter 32. And, uh, but he's saying, I, I'm, he's giving this dream that he's been afraid of and he looks up, he sees the clouds. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 32 says, If after the manner of men have I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse sixteen. First Thessalonians chapter four, and verse sixteen says. And when this epistle is read among you, cause it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Okay, okay. So he's we're moving the very last reference that he makes is in Revelations. So this is uh I can see now a trend here, okay. So Jude fourteen. So Jude chapter 14, I'm sorry, Jude verse 14, okay, says, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Okay, so that's that reference that he sees the thousands coming uh, with, uh, with a man that was sitting on the cloud. Now we go to John chapter 5 and verse 24. John chapter 5 and verse 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Sorry, 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eight. There we go. Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eight. He says, "In f- says in flaming fire, taking vengeance 
on them that know not God and them and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is all referencing to the end times. And then the, our last reference is found in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and then verses 11 through 18. Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20. I'm reading something wrong. Because the last verse in Revelation chapter 20 stops at verse 15. Unless this man was reading or referencing another translation. Hmm. I'm going to read Revelations 20, 11 through 15 because I don't see 11 through 18 as it's referenced here. It says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which was the book of life and the dead which were judged out of those things which were written in those books in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up the and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So these are all prophetic passages and supporting this uh, story that's being given here by the man having the bad dream. And he says, They were all in flaming fire. Also the heavens were in a burning flame. I heard then a voice saying, Arise ye dead and come to judgment. And with that, the rocks rent and the graves opened, and the dead that were therein came forth. Some of them were exceeding glad, and looking and looked upward, and some sought to hide themselves under the mountains. Then I saw the man that sat upon the cloud open the book, and bid the world draw near. Yet there was, by reason of fierce flame that issued out of him, and came out from him a convenient distance between him and them, as betwixt the judge and the prisoners at the bar. We have another reference to Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 21. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 21. I love the fact that there's all these references in here. I've had people criticize reading other books, and I think there is a warning to not live in other books, right? But to, as I think it was Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Um, I love that this book, and I can see now why he read this, Spurgeon read this book hundreds of times. He said it himself, he'd read this book over a hundred times. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 21 says, And behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. I heard it also proclaimed to them that attended on the cloud. This is a ref 
And there's a reference here to Psalm chapter four, Psalm chapter five, Psalms chapter five, and verse four and five. Psalm chapter. Five and verse four and five. If you have a Bible, feel free to follow along. It says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. It's interesting. It doesn't say thou hatest all the iniquity of the workers. This is thou hatest all workers of iniquity. So he says, gather together the tares. This is the man that's sitting on the cloud. We know this is God. He says, gather together the tares, the chaff, and the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. And with that, the bottomless pit opened just about whereabout I stood, out of the mouth of which there came in abundant manner smoke, coals, and hideous noises. It was also said to the same persons, Gather my wheat into the garner. And with that I saw many catched up and carried away into the clouds, but I was left behind. So this is a man giving the story. He's saying, I was left behind. We've heard that reference made before, haven't we? Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. There's a few references here he's making. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. I'm going to spend half the time this morning looking up Scripture references. Scripture. There we go. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9 and 10. There we go. It says, A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him, Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Man, I've read that so many times. And you know, that's what I love about reading this in context. I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna read verse nine as well. And it says, "I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit." whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. And then it says these thousands of thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. This is talking about Judgment Day, folks. Something we need to think about. Something we need to consider. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Then cometh, I'm going to read uh, verse 12, Whose fan is in his hand, and will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Uh, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Or just a couple chapters before. It's not that far away. Matthew chapter, I mean Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. And for behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that the 
and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Luke chapter 3 and verse 17 is the last reference. Well, for there, for now, and then there's actually one more that talks about this group of people being caught up. So Luke chapter 3 and verse 17. Luke chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Whose fan is in his hand and will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner. But the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. Finally, First uh, Thessalonians chapter four verse sixteen. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse sixteen. I know there's probably people out there who read these references and know exactly what they say. I would like to be there one day. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I'm going to pick up off where this man's explaining what he sees in his dream. And he says, And with that I saw many catched up and carried away into the clouds, but I was left behind. I sought not to hide myself. I also sought to hide myself, but I could not. For the man that sat upon the cloud still kept his eye upon me. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14 is the reference that's made here. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. 14, Romans chapter 2. Next time, I'm going to pull these verses up ahead of time. This has been a lot of references here. Romans chapter 2 and verse 14 and 15 says, uh, I'm going to start in verse uh, yeah, 14, yes. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. It's interesting. Because uh, this is not necessarily a good thing. Someone said, well, isn't the conscience a good thing? At least we have the conscience here in the land of the Gentiles. You know, the law of written. Wouldn't you rather someone live by the law that's written on their hearts? And uh, I didn't know if that was the right question. I just thought, man, we have, we do have the law. The law brings death. We need deliverance from the law. And Christ is the only one who can bring that. So uh, let's. He's he says he tried to hide. But he could not hide because the man that sat upon the cloud still kept his eye upon me. My sins also came into my mind, and my conscience did accuse me on every side. There's the reference to that verse. Upon this, I awakened from my sleep. Christian asked, 
well, what was it that made you so afraid of this sight? The man replies and says, why? I thought the day of judgment was come and that I was not ready for it. For this feared me most that the angels gathered up several and left me behind. Also, the pit of hell opened her mouth just where I stood. My conscience, too, afflicted me. And I, and as I thought, the judge had always had his eye upon me, showing indignation in his countenance. We have a note here from the author that says, Natural men's affections, I'm sorry, natural men's consciences, where did I get affections from? Natural men's consciences are often alarmed and terrified when there are no spiritual convictions. But such fears and terrors soon wear away and do not issue in real real conversion. That's a a very interesting uh, thought there because he says, just because you're afraid and terrified doesn't mean you're under conviction. This is, this, there can, this can happen. There can be an alarm and terror and, and being terrified as a natural man with your conscience, but this is no sign of spiritual conviction uh, because uh, these fears and terrors soon wear away. They don't, uh, this is the worldly sorrow that leads to death and not the godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And so then the interpreter said to Christian, Hast thou considered, considered all these things? Christian says, Yes, and they put me in hope and fear. So we have a note here from the author. He says, Where there is a gospel hope, there, were, there will also be a godly fear. Both are necessary. Both are the graces of the Holy Spirit. Fear makes us cautious. Hope animates us. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. The fear of what could happen, the fear that uh, that God brings, godly fear, can bring us to a standstill in our tracks. But the hope we have keeps us moving. The hope, I like how he puts it. Fear makes us cautious. Hope animates us. He says both of these are the graces. Both are necessary, and both are the graces of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the interpreter says, hey, have you considered all these things? He says, yes, they put me in hope and fear. The interpreter responds and replies and says, well, keep all these things so in thy mind, that they may be as a goad in thy sides, to prick thee forward in the way thou must go. Then Christian began to gird up his loins and to address himself to his journey. Then said the interpreter, The Comforter be always with thee, good Christian, to guide thee in the way that leads to the city. So Christian went on his way, saying, Here have I seen things rare and profitable, things pleasant, dreadful, things to make me stable. And what I have begun to take in hand, and what I have begun to take in hand, then let me think on them and understand. Wherefore thou showed me where, and let me be thankful, O good, good interpreter, to thee. It's kind of a poem there that's hard to find the cadence, but I love how each chapter actually finishes with something like that. This is a this we're gonna finish there. That's the end of chapter three. 
this is a powerful truth and and a an important thing to consider. You know, it's obviously it's an idea that has been exploited and taken advantage of in different um, different books and movies of the Left Behind series. Uh, this is the man. He he's looking. He's seeing the end of the world come, and he is he's he's scared by the proposition that in this dream he is left behind. He is not taken up with those uh, people that were taken up when the command was given to gather up my wheat into the garner. And this fear that he has, and uh, another lesson and and thing we need to consider is the fear that he has is, is not a godly fear. It's a fear that just his conscience brings when he realizes the logical conclusion here. But the the true fear, the fear that Christian has um, is a godly fear, and he it's in tandem with his hope that he has in Christ. This is the gospel hope. And we have this, again, reminder of what the author says here. Where there is a gospel hope, there will be a godly fear. And these two are both necessary, and they both come from the Holy Spirit. And I love the statement, fear makes us cautious, hope animates us. And I hope that if we have a lesson for today or a, a an admonition for the day, would we, would be, would we be cautious? Uh, that's what the fear of the, of God does gives us this cautious spirit, but the hope that we have in him gives us the, the power to move forward, to move. Um, and these things aren't of ourself. These things come from God. Anyways, tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll start with chapter, what? This is chapter six. Okay. Well, let me just check very quickly because I checked, when I checked my progress in the chapters, I assumed, um, I assumed that all these translations, versions of the book were the same, and I'm really learning that they are not. So... This book here doesn't show 10. I said 10, 10 chapters, but it's not. Here, this one shows 14 chapters. So this book is split up and split the chapters up differently. And so the reference, the translation that I was referring to, the, the, the version that I was referring to showed 10 chapters. This one shows 14. I'm going to assume this is the, this is the more correct one. Um, and this one shows us in chapter, this shows that we're at the end of chapter five, going into chapter six tomorrow, out of a total of 14 chapters. So uh, there we are. <laughs> we'll eventually know where we're at in this book. hope this was a help today. I hope you all have a great day. And we will see you. Uh,